1: All right, big mailbag today. It's going to be excellent, as usual. All answers 100% correct, guaranteed. Before we get started, let's play a game of Liars Poker, Steve Versnick. Rob Gronkowski was on with the Mannings. You know, they do this thing on Monday Night Football on the uh, ESPN2 where you get to watch with Peyton and, of course, Eli. So Gronk comes on, and among other things, he says, Nah, I don't watch tape. I asked Tommy if he's watched it, and then I just run by people. Are you buying it? True or false? Gronk doesn't watch tape. Do you still believe
0: he faked the workouts last season before the season started?
1: (laughs) I like that story. (laughs) I actually thought that was brilliant.
0: I I think it's brilliant, but I don't know if it's true now.
1: (laughs) No. So you're saying he might be telling a little bit of a falsehood there. Here's what's funny about Gronk, and we talked about this before, but like, when I've talked to Brady like just seriously about Gronk and, you know, at times when Gronk, you know, where, where Brady's, like, not cutting up about, you know, it's not the Tommy and Gronky show, right? Um, He and others have told me one of the smartest football players that they've ever played with. Like, the dude gets the ball. He gets ball. Like, he, you know, and you can see that in his game. You can see it this year, you know, when, when Brady's checking to him twice and they got cover zero and, you know – um he makes the route adjustments and stuff like that, and winds up in a touchdown. One of the smarter players I think in the league and has been had that reputation but he 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 runs from it he kind of like acts like yeah i don't I don't watch film, I just run by people.
0: <laughs> it works for him though and it, and he's done this for you i mean you know what was it uh last uh, before the season you talked to Gronk's dad, yeah, and we aired the interview here on on sports day Tampa Bay, and he talked right. about 40. how. How smart all his kids were, and it was, you know, getting educations and learning too, because sports may not always be there, and yeah. and, and that, and you know, he pushed that in his kids just as much as he did the a- a- athletics part of it, and, and well, it, it, the whole family is. And you look at the success that his, his siblings have had and everything else, and, and not just athletically, but you know, it, it's a very smart family. And he's and watch him play football; he's a smart player. He's not he just is. running around out there. He makes the correct blocks. He makes the right reads. Yeah, He goes to the right spot based on this coverage and how I'm being played. I mean, if you watch him, you can see how smart he is as a player.
1: Yeah. Well, even in the – I mean, the, the one play in the Super Bowl, and him and Tom were on the same wavelength. But, you know, he's he's sort of running a flag route, and the guy's playing, you know, outside technique. So he just pivots, and Tom has time. And as soon as he comes back across the field, you know, Tom puts it on him. So – no, nah, he's one of the smarter players. Um, there's no question about that. And yeah, when you know when I talked to Gordy, all his sons played professional sports. Um, all of them made over three o. Gronkowski made like a three five at Arizona in like business admin. I mean, he and the the rumor is, and I think it's more than a rumor, but the word is that for all the money he's made, and he makes close to what ten million dollars a year of late. Um, all the money that he's made in football, he hasn't touched he has lived off endorsements that's how well he has done endorsements in business he has a lot of businesses a lot of companies um and he does so well in those that you know football is sort of his side gig but yeah um he was great he was he was he's always you know he's always that guy whenever you see him um everybody says if we could all have more Gronkowski in us we we would never have a bad day uh, i thought he i thought he was entertaining uh we ended up blogging it like we do everything, but I but I, but I, I think it was complete bunk. <laughs> I don't believe a word of it. I think he's very, very... In fact, I know he's really smart. And, now, uh, does
0: he watch as much film as Tommy? I don't think so.
1: Nobody but, watches as much film as Tom. Yeah. Yeah. No one does that. I mean, Tom... You know, it's funny when you'll talk to Tom on Thursday and they've got, like, maybe, you know, a maybe a 60-minute practice on Friday and then they're done for the week, you know, walk through on Saturday. Tom will tell you... And we got two really important days. Got a lot of lot of film to watch. Got a lot, of, got to study a lot, and you know we still got a, two more days to prepare. And everybody else is like, "What are you talking about? We're going out to dinner tonight. We're going to do the walk through, and the, the week's over." Um, yeah, Brady, Brady of course grinds it. That's how he's how he's become Tom Brady. But um, but yeah, that was. Uh, that was fun of Gronk. So we got a bunch of uh, questions. Of course, uh, as we're speaking, the Rays are losing to Toronto. I don't think they're going to get their magic number um, clipped. I think the champagne is going to stay on ice for a little bit yeah. longer. The magic number but going into
0: Tuesday night was two to clinch the playoffs. Right. To, in order um, to, to clinch a playoff berth, they needed to win. Oakland has to lose, and then either Boston or New York would have to lose as well. Yeah. So the Rays are losing in the ninth now. If they don't come back, then obviously you can't clinch it tonight. The Magic number could drop to one tonight at that, if that right. happens to clinch right. the playoff spot. The Magic number is five to clinch the division. Uh, that all depends on them in Boston right now who has the least amount of losses. So.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, it's going to be, you know, right now as it stands, I don't think the Yankees would be in the playoffs.
0: No, they would not. It would be Boston and Toronto in the wild card yeah. game mm-hmm. in, at Fenway. Is where it would and be then the, the winner would play the would play the Rays. That's correct. That. Yep. And then yeah. the White Sox would play the Astros in the other side of the bracket. So
1: they may be seeing a lot of Toronto. Is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, they got one more game against them this afternoon, a three o'clock game, and then this wraps up a stretch in, we were talking about pitching off the air beforehand, and we got some questions about that too. We'll answer, but this today's game wraps up 26 games in 27 days for the Rays. So you wonder why there's been a lot of players. Resting and a lot of off days and and that uh you know this is a you know basically a month and you've had one off day or four weeks essentially you've had one off day. yeah
1: they're a tired club yeah.
0: yeah now you're gonna get an off day Thursday and then you get another one on Monday as well so that should help them and then you know if you win the division you'll get you know three days off you know you'll Sunday and then your first game is Thursday for the playoffs so you'll have three days off in between
1: yeah. Well, Wander Franco could be back as early as Friday, I guess. He's on assignment in Durham, mm-hmm. so that'll help him. That'll they need that the spark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they need that energy too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a he's a big part of what they do, and he he's sort of, I mean, I know Brett Phillips has that too, but like he sort of filled Adamus's role, I think.
0: Uh, but I, I, he gives a different type of energy, and I think it's more you know at Production. the plate and yeah i mean it, he doesn't strike out and and he's right. you know he making contact happen. and and going yeah. deep into counts and you know yeah. it's that kind of energy and protection in the lineup that helps other guys too
1: i mean he got on what was his streak at i think it was almost 40 there's 43
0: he, uh, i think at bats between strikeouts i mean yeah but for, he also a had that 20 year old rookie
1: he had that on-base streak that's still alive, I think, too. Yeah,
0: that's at 39, I think, right now? 38, 39, uh, yeah. yeah I like think that. it's
1: close to 40. Yeah. So we'll see will see if he can continue that. But, um, yeah, they, they need they need him back in the lineup if, for
0: nothing else, just for the production side of it.
1: All right, so we got lots of uh, questions in our mailbag. We'll get started.
0: Well, we've talked about Gronk, so I'll start with this one. Ryan had asked, where does the trade for Rob Gronkowski rank in the best Bucks trades of all time? A John Gruden answer is preferred.
1: I'll tell you what, man. I'm trying to think of what John Gruden would say about Gronk. Are you kidding I don't me? I can know. get Gronk? <laughs> I don't even know.
0: Who would trade Gronk? The
1: guy was retired, right? Is he, is he Is he? the most accomplished retired football player? Why don't we bring back Barry Sanders? Why don't they bring back Jim Brown? We're going we're gonna to get retired guys that can play, you know what I mean? Who else is out there? Megatron. Mega truck. Calvin Johnson looks like he could play to me. I don't know if he's the best. I mean, when you talk about trades, you know, we'd have to really think about that one because there's been a lot of trades um, through the years. Now, nothing jumps off the page at me, but you know, when you get a Hall of Fame first ballot Hall of Famer for a sixth or seventh rounder uh, from New England that you then pay ten million dollars to, and he catches two touchdowns, two tutties in the Super Bowl, and then starts the next year with two tutties in each of the first two games. Uh, it's going pretty well. Let's just say that. It's going pretty well because then Belichick had to turn around and actually trade higher draft picks to get a couple of tight ends that they're using right now. So um, I would say they got the best of that trade. I don't think anybody really thought that Gronkowski, you know, from a physical standpoint would be able to hold up, much less, you know, last year played 20 games and and um, he seems to be in even better shape now. I mean, he's still – you look at the, what, 18 surgeries or something that he had throughout his career in New England. I mean, he was... There was a reason why he quit. I, it's obvious that it wasn't just the injuries, although he did take a year to heal up some of those bones. But um, clearly, I think the whole, you know, Patriot way beat him down. And um, he's having a lot more fun now. Um, but I, you know, I can't think of many. I mean, they they traded a couple of number ones for Keyshawn Johnson. They won a Super Bowl. I know people... Made a lot may not have liked Keyshawn, but he was very productive. He what had about trading euro. for John Gruden? Well, that there's your best trade. Yeah, there you go. I tell you what, well, you guys forget, man. They gave up two ones, two twos, and eight million dollars for me. Um, that was that would that would, aside from the the large uh, you know compensation package, I would say that would be the best one. Absolutely, you do it again. You trade, you trade all those draft picks to win a Super Bowl. You know, so yeah, I think. Uh, but player, from from a player standpoint, I don't know. That's a, that's a little that's a little harder. They haven't exactly gotten over on a lot of trades. I test. I tell you something I didn't like. <laughs> um, how about Darrell Revis? A one and a four. He played one season. They paid him sixteen million dollars. They rehabbed his ACL. He made the Pro Bowl, and then he went to New England. That worked out well. Greg Ciano didn't have any players. That was not so smart. Darrell Revis for one year.
0: All right, Tommy S. We're talking tight ends. He says, do you see the Bucks using O.J. Howard as trade bait if they're not going to use him and get something in return? Or will O.J. stay with the Bucks all season?
1: I think he's here. I mean, you never say never. It would depend if there's a bunch of injuries or something and they needed a piece of somebody else's team. I mean, I suppose that. But first of all, um, it's a long season. He's coming off a he's coming off a torn ACL. We don't know what's going to happen, you know. To those R- right now, it's clear to me that the Bucks think that the way to win and their best playmakers are their three receivers, right? They you know, talk about Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. So those guys are going to be on the field all the time. Okay, so you're going to have eleven personnel, you have one running back, and one tight end. That's just the way they're going to go. So. If something were to happen to one of those receivers, yeah, you could go with Scotty Miller. You could go with Tyler Johnson. You got some guys that come off the bench, right? But are they going to play as much as Antonio Brown? Are they going to play, in other words, I think at that point you might decide to go 12 personnel and go with two tight ends, which would be Gronk and O.J. Howard, which is the way they started last season. Um, eventually they worked Antonio Brown in there, and then, of course, O.J. got hurt, so then it was Cam Brait. Um, and so I, I think OJ's here all season. I think you made that decision when you picked up his fifth year option at $6 million, you know, he could do some things. Um, you just don't know, man, 17 games, you know, and, and remember Gronkowski, I mean, he, until last year, it had been a minute since he made it through a whole season. So you add an extra gear to his, to his body and and playing football. You, you add an extra game to the season. You're going to need, I think you're going to need all these tight ends. They would have said the same thing last year. In fact, people did about Cameron Bray. They're like, hey, man, Cameron Braid's playing like 11 snaps a game or six snaps a game. Why don't they trade him? Well, they didn't trade him because week five, O.J. Howard had a season-ending injury. You know, remember this: your quarterback is Tom Brady. Even though he could play to 50, he probably won't. But you have a chance to win a Super Bowl right now. Mm-hmm. You do not get rid of good players when Tom Brady is at quarterback. You're all this in. So the only the in. only
0: way you're getting rid of them is if you're getting a piece to help now back, not a draft pick right. for later, not right. a project. It's it's you're if you're trading him, it's because there's a piece. It's you making
1: need. you stronger. Yes, yeah. that's right. Say say there's a corner, you know. But but here again, who are you trading him to? I mean, any team that would want OJ Howard knows they're renting him because he's a free agent. So if I'm going to invest in OJ Howard. I got to be a contending team myself. You know? So, who's giving up something if they're a contending team? to you you don't want the draft picks. You 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 want to win. You need a player. I just don't see how they I don't see a scenario where they would trade him. I don't. I mean, and trades are hard to make and there's not that many of them every year. We always talk about them. It just never seems to really trans- transpire that much, but no. My my guess is that they made that decision. OJ is working himself back into shape. I think he'll be a big factor in this season going forward at some point. He looked really good in the one play that he made, but um, I I don't see him going anywhere.
0: All right, Cameron tweeted us and said, it seems like teams are abandoning the run and dropping back 50 times with max protection. With the current uncertainty in the secondary, what can the Bucks do to counter that? What do you think they'll do?
1: Well, I mean, I th- I think they're caught, they're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. I mean, if teams don't want to try to run the ball on them because they're so good against the run, and they're you know, in their first the last two years, or second now, I mean, teams aren't you know. I think Atlanta rushed twenty times and they averaged like three five or so, which wasn't very good. Um, even less probably for Dallas. The thing is, you know, you 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 got to stop the run. You still have to play the run. What they what they did a better job of in this last game, the tackling got a little bit better. Um, they didn't let anybody get behind them. So you kind of pick your poison. So it's like this. It's like, okay, we're going to play off these receivers. They're going to complete a lot of balls. I mean, they've attempted 104 passes the first two games. 104 in the first two games against the Bucks, And completed a, a hell of a lot of them. And, but they weren't for, you know a ton of yards. I mean, aggregate they were, but in the, you know, it's five, six, seven. Now you want to get off the field on third down. You don't, you know, you don't want to give. but they didn't give up any chunk plays. If you come up and they're going to throw it, they want to throw it quick, but if you come up, they might throw it over your heads. So they're making teams sort of earn it. And then if they get them behind the sticks, if they get them in third and six or third and seven or something longer, um, they're bringing blitzes. You know, they're bringing the inside linebackers. I just think that Both Atlanta and Dallas, especially Ezekiel Elliott, you know, did a really good job picking up Devin White and picking up Lamonte David. Their blitzes just didn't work. They got there, but they didn't work. But they're getting pressure. You know, I had this conversation with with Arians, and they're sitting here with two sacks, and that's 31st in the league, and, you know, they're 30th in passing yardage and all this stuff. And he goes, look, we're still affecting the quarterback. We're not getting them on the ground. We only got two sacks, but... We had a bunch of tip balls. Two of them ended up being intercepted. You know, Vitavea is forklifting guys into the quarterback's lap, you know. Um, teams aren't hitting big passing plays down the middle of the field anywhere. They did have two pick sixes. So, you know, I, I just I don't know what they can do. If teams want to throw it out to the perimeter and make you tackle, you'll, you'll do it, I guess, all day. You're keeping them out of the end zone. And then you play really good red zone defense, which they've managed to do they've gotten a couple turnovers there's there's really i mean you know that there's not a whole lot except play tighter coverage make the guy pull the ball down a few times um you know maybe get to the quarterback and sack him but i i don't think they're that they don't seem that worried about it you know they just they seem like you know we're going to tackle better we're going to we're going to we're going to if this is what people want to do and i expect the rams to do it too because the rams they're the ones that started. I mean, Sean McVay came in here and threw it 51 times and didn't even try to run and, you know, wound up winning a three-point game. But uh, you just got to play better. I mean, you know, that's that's really it. It's just play tighter coverage, make sure you tackle, um, you know, keep, keep trying to win at the line of scrimmage and, you know, get off the field. I mean, that's the biggest thing is they're letting teams have too much time of possession. You want to get the ball back to Brady as fast as you can. And having said all that, they're averaging almost forty points a game, <laughs> so you know. I mean, we're nitpicking a little bit, but it, I did write a column that says, "Is this a Super Bowl defense?" To me, it doesn't look like one. No matter whether it's teams had all year to figure this out and they've they've made adjustments, or you know, some of the guys aren't aren't playing fast, or you know, they're older players. I mean, I don't know, but teams clearly. This is, this is a copycat league, and this is the way that teams want to attack them because they want to stay away from the, the middle of that defense, the front seven inside. And so what are your options? I would do the same thing. I'd say, hey, those guys out there, they don't want to tackle. Let's throw it out there. Those big guys, they don't want to run to the sideline. Let's make them run all day. Let's, let's get those guys worn out, you know. That's, that's what I would do. And I think, that's, I think that's become the consensus about how to play the Bucs.
0: All right, we talked a lot yesterday on the podcast about Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, and Greg had asked, when Ronald Jones is on the field, doesn't it tip the hand of the defense that they're going to run the ball? As a defensive coordinator, why wouldn't you send a blitz whenever he's in the game? When Fournette is in the game, there's at least a possibility of a run or a pass.
1: Yeah, I think they're kind of falling into that a little bit, and I think you are seeing a lot of blitzes. Um, we certainly saw one, you know, On and here's the thing I didn't get second and 20. What why is he in the game on second and 20? That I don't get because he's not a good blocker. Um you you know he's not your best running back as a receiver. I thought Giovanni Bernard was here not just for third down. Obviously you can say well he's our third down back or a two minute guy. But second and 20. I mean, put him in the game, you know, cuz A, he's a good he's a good blocker and and B, he can actually he can win, you know, on any route. Um, from the line of scrimmage if he has to. So I I don't – you're limited. I mean, you're limited. You know, do you trust Jones? Do you trust him in pass protection? I would run – every time he was in the backfield, I think I'd run straight downhill at him. If, he, if they hand him the ball, I'm going to make the tackle. If they don't give him the ball, I'm going to run over him on the way to the quarterback. But, yeah, if my assignment is Ronald Jones, I'm coming, you know. I mean that's just what I would do, and I think teams are starting to exploit that. You know he's going to have to, you know, stick his face in the fan, as they say, and 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 block some people and knock them on their backsides, uh, or he's just not going to have much of a role unless it's you know you're up two touchdowns and and you're trying to salt the game away, and he's just the guy that's going to run clock for you.
0: All right, Ali asked, do you think we'll see more of Giovanni Bernard going forward with the other two running backs making mistake after mistake?
1: I can't imagine you could see less. I, I got to believe that, that, you know, and you talked about this, you know, he is an older player. It is a 17-game season. He looks great to me. He's still learning a new offense. But honest to goodness, I mean, when they get second and long or third down, I mean, I don't, he's got to be in the game, you know. I, and, and I think that, you know, Arian said something the other day that was sort of telling He goes, look, we're not going to throw 100 balls to our running back. You know, well, that's that's what New England did you know. And and that's what Giovanni could do. But again, they want Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown to be the guy, you know, that or the guys that make the plays. They want to they want to put the ball in their hands. So, you know, I I don't think it's a bad thing to have somebody next to Brady that can pick up blitzes and and you know, be an outlet for him. But we haven't found what his role is outside of the few third downs he played in the two-minute drill against Dallas and made two plays that helped them, helped them win the game on that final drive. So, he, you know, I think you'll—I don't think you see less. I think you'll see more of him. I just don't—I don't know that there's a conscious decision. They love Fournette. Um, Tom trusts him. You know that first pass in, in the first game off his hands, notwithstanding. He—he he likes Lenny, and Lenny. Lenny absolutely stoned a guy, and he made a 17-yard completion to Brown. Um, you know, which was his, you know, his only his only catch that night. But um, you know, so so Burnett can do some things. But yeah, I I think I think that going forward, and maybe this is the game. I think I think you're going to see Giovanni more. I really do.
0: Diego tweeted us said last Sunday versus the Falcons, Tom Brady threw to t- ten different players. Mike Evans, Gronk, Godwin, Fournette, Bernard, OJ, Antonio Brown, Tyler Johnson, Cam Brate, and Ronald Jones. Is that a record? Mm,
1: I don't think so. It, I mean, it's probably close to it. I I remember a lot of games we had eight and nines. I don't, I'd have to go back and look mm-hmm. if we've had ten. Um, you only got so many active players, right? So if you've got three running backs, six receivers, what's the most you could throw to, right? So three running backs – They've had six receivers up. That's nine. Tight um, ends. or Two tight ends, 10, 11.
0: I mean, you can always put a defensive tackle backs, in at running back and pass it to him you in could a throw or an offensive run... lineman.
1: But, I mean, even just by the eligibles, yeah. right, that yeah. are active on Sunday. So, you know, three running backs, um, six wide receivers, that's nine. Two tight, end, Three tight ends because they have Brait, that's 12. So the maximum would be 12 in any given game. Um.
0: Well, and that, Unless, you could also have a tackle eligible or things like that. You reasonable. could, but I'm just meaning of yeah, the skilled right,
1: players, yeah. right? If you were throwing yeah. just to the receivers, running backs, and tight ends that are up, the maximum is 12. So you can't go much higher than that.
0: I doubt it's a record, but it shows you how Brady distributes the ball. I mean, yeah. five targets for Evans and everybody else was four or less. I mean, you know, you, you know, he spreads the ball around, which is what makes him so effective.
1: Yep. Keeps guys involved.
0: Keeps guys involved and keeps the defense guessing because he – he throws to everybody.
1: Yeah, and I think he, I think he, you know, sort of, He said this, it's a simple game but just hard to execute, is that, you know, he, he just he plays chess out there. It's like, you know, too deep, we'll hand it off. You play us up, we're going to throw it over your head. You play us inside, we're throwing it outside. You play the outside leverage, we're going inside. Like, that's, you know, the defense kind of for him determines where the ball is going. He's going to find his matchup. Um, and, you know, but I still think there's a part of him, I don't say he forces the ball. But he absolutely is is Brady's smart. Like he's he's cognizant of hey, I got to get this guy involved. Now he won't force it, but I told you the fantasy thing. I was talking to a guy <laughs> actually it's one of the producers of uh NFL 360, you know that series, the mm-hmm. Emmy award-winning NFL 360. So this producer guy was calling me and um and he listened to our podcast. And he's a big Bucks fan. And, and remember I said the other day that my, my daughter had Mike Evans in mm-hmm. fantasy? Yep. And she was going to bench him. I said not. And he goes, I had the same dilemma. And <laughs> I heard the podcast, so I didn't bench him. Thanks for the two touchdowns. I think that I think that Brady is very cognizant of those guys' goals, of their aspirations. He didn't deliberately go away from Evans. They doubled him like they're going to do mm-hmm. every game, the first game. Um, Godwin and, and Brown, you know, were the ones that got over 100 yards or whatever. Ronk had a big day. Um, but I knew that he was going to get Evans involved. And what was funny is is that the other thing is that when he gets to the one-yard line or inside the five, he's not running it. He's calling a running. He's going to throw the ball. And he, I think he sees that also as a payoff. Like, hey, watch me. Like, most teams are like, well, the field's awfully short. You know, you got it's really tight down there. No. That never crosses Brady's mind. Brady's like, I'm going to reward somebody. I'm going to get this tutty for myself. hmm and I'm not going to turn and hand it off to a guy on, on, on the one yard line. And so that's how Evans, you know, got touchdown catches of one in three yards. You know, like he rewarded him. I mean, he knows if I got Evans out. And Evans this one route. The first route he ran, it's like this little pivot route oh, where he goes inside. it's so beautiful. Back. And you remember, it's like, wait a minute, this guy's six five. Like he, the dude broke his ankles. He's like playing basketball. The guy's on the ground when he made the move.
0: He fell down. That was a he beautiful cover route. He, that was so well executed. I mean.
1: And he left him. I wondered how he got so open, and then I looked at the tape, and I'm like, holy cow, that dude fell down. He got twisted around. It was great. Evans has really made himself a, a – a, a, he was already a really good receiver, a terrific receiver on his way to the Hall of Fame. You know, Brady has said this a bunch of times, and I don't think Brady is tr- prone to hyperbole. I've heard Brady call Mike Evans a future Hall of Fame quarterback or uh, receiver. I've heard him say that. He says he's a Hall of Famer. I think he believes it. I mean, look, he's this could be the eighth season if he does what he always does, eight straight years to start his career with 1,000 yards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, if you do that every season, for you play 10 years or 12 years, you're going to be there. But I, I think he has so much respect for Mike in his game. And Mike, to his credit, is always trying to get better. Like he's not satisfied with you know whether it's his body or his route running or you know he he's a guy that's always hungry, always trying to get better. So it's been fun to watch those.
0: And one last thing, I'm brave. If you remember last year, getting Antonio Brown his bonus,
1: yes, absolutely. With
0: pop passes, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, they could have. You know that was funny because the choice was we hand the ball to Ronald Jones and he gets his thousand yards, or we've got two hundred fifty thousand dollars that's owed Antonio Brown if we get him. Um, three more balls, and they ran like pop passes, you know, uh, from behind the line of scrimmage to give them those receptions and give them the money. Which is, which is, I've never seen anything like that. I've never. First of all, most organizations wouldn't want to do it because they'd be like, "Wait a minute, that's <laughs> coming out of our, that's coming out of our." Which glazer is that coming from? And then secondly, um, just to have the awareness, right? That how many you need? Three. Okay, watch this. One, two, and three. Okay, thanks. That's two fifty. What a nice guy. You know, you just put a quarter of a mil in my pocket. That's phenomenal. But that's that's how you breed loyalty, folks.
0: Justin tweeted us and asked, if Richard Sherman is signed, what is the logical timeline to see him starting in a game?
1: Well, they say he's in good shape. Um, they say he's gotten down to a, a a fighting weight of, like, 195, which is, you know, about as low as he's been that you, he would want to play at. Um Now, you know, he's going through counseling. He's got a bunch of misdemeanor charges. So I don't think there's anything from the league standpoint that they would do because whatever he's facing is not going to be adjudicated, and the league usually waits for the court systems and the legal process to run its course. Um, Nobody is – I mean, it looks bad, right? It was captured on on film, and and it's it's a terrible moment. It's out of character for him. Um, DUIs, if you're convicted – understand you know you know they, they can find they can do whatever they want to because it's it doesn't require a conviction but DUIs now are three game suspensions since 2020 so that may come to play at some point but I I mean I I would think that it'd be pretty quick I mean I would if he's I don't know what he's doing he's been in counseling so I don't know if you know he's kept himself in shape his weight is down I, I mean you don't bring him in here to sit as soon as he's eligible you may not Play them, you know, 75 plays the first day, but I think you would play pretty sooner than later. I mean, because you're not signing them. Look, I don't know that they're going to sign them unless they have another injury to begin with, you know. Um, You do kick the tires on these guys. You see what their mindset is. You ask them about when are you going to be available? Are you going to be able to play? That sort of thing. So that sounds to me like what they were doing with, you know, with them, but I mean, and I don't know that he's the kind of. I don't know he's not the corner that he was, you know, at thirty thirty. What is he? Thirty three that he had been, but you know, if if you go that route, you got to play him, and then you got to say, okay, well, what what is Sean Murphy bunting when he comes back? Well, now he's just your third. He's your third corner, you know. I I mean, will Sherman accept a role that's less than a starter? I don't know. These are all questions you got to ask the guy. But as far as playing, I mean, if he says he can play. He hasn't had training camp, but I mean you're gonna you know we're in the season i mean you're getting them you're getting them to play there's no warm ups here you know you you'll if you do that if you pull the trigger, you're gonna need him to play fairly soon, maybe not a full game but but he's gonna get in there. I think Jordan Whitehead, who had been out for a while, had been running, but he had you know he'd had the hamstring uh situation in training camp. I think they played him about two thirds of the snaps the other day. So they didn't give him the full load, but they gave him a lot, you know, and, and he had been, he didn't miss all the training camp and preseason.
0: All right. Ellis tweeted So this past offseason, should the competition committee have focused on which penalties are reviewable, what exactly is roughing the passer, or how pass interference penalty has a huge impact instead of, checks the sheet, taunting?
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, I don't like the taunting thing. I I don't know where they were headed with that, but it it it's it's it looks bad to me. Um, I'm I mean I'm glad that they got you know when they were reviewing pass interference. I'm glad they got rid of that rule. That seems silly. Um, I just I've seen it's such a it's it's such a broad interpretation of what taunting is or isn't. You know. I mean, what did, what did Edwards do? Like, Edwards got a taunting penalty, I think, for laying up the ball over the goalpost or something to that extent. I mean, like, I've seen guys get up from, from tackles and and just, like, look at the guy they tackled or got tackled by and go, yeah, and, and you know, motion something with their. I mean, and they, they throw a flag. The officials don't know what it is. It should have been more clearly defined. The owners didn't do the, 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 the game in any favors because now – You've got guys getting not just penalized, but they're getting fined. This is the other thing. Like, you take a big chunk out of your paycheck, you know. So I must have missed the taunting seminar that they gave all the players because officials come in and they go over the points of emphasis and the new rules and stuff. But uh, some of the penalties I've seen on it just seem silly. You know, they're playing football, for gosh sakes. I mean, there's going to be.
0: Well, I wonder if part of it wasn't the, the Antonio Winfield in the Super Bowl, which, you know, obviously you've got 100 million people watching that game. It
1: was, I mean, but I mean. And, but there was a reason thing, he
0: did that, too, which, I mean, you know. Yeah, Tyree Kill did yeah, it early in the season. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's don't we want players to have personality? I mean, isn't that what the no. games have become now? I No. Mean, that's what they market.
1: Well, they don't market the
0: individuals. No, but you know, they, the thing about, but, they, but they love it when the individuals are on Madden's cover or in this commercial and and Tom Brady's in Subway commercials and they love that. The leagues love that yeah, stuff. They want their players. Yeah, sure.
1: there's not that many though. Here's what I know about the NFL. Patrick okay?
0: Mahomes is in State Farm commercials and Aaron Rodgers and they love that.
1: Well, they love your quarterbacks and things like that, but here's what here's what I know about the NFL. Okay? And think about this for a minute, okay? NBA, you know, they're all corporations, right? Every guy on the team is a corporation. I mean, it's just, you know, we know him, we see him, all that stuff. What happens in the NFL? You've got guys who go to games, and if their socks aren't pulled up to a certain level, they get fined. Why? It's a uniform violation. Who cares? We care. Why? We don't want anybody standing out. We're going to put a helmet over your head. Uh, if you're wearing a face shield, hopefully that's, that's even better. We want people to root for the names on the front of the jerseys, not the back. Um, the quarterback's a little different, uh, I'll grant you, because he's got the ball on every play. And people know who he is, if he's, doing, if he's doing with Jake from State Farm. But for the most part, they don't want these guys to stand out. Owners want the game to be what's celebrated, not the players. They have no interest in making anybody any money except themselves and and that's why that's why they have all these rules. You can't take your helmet off during a game. can't take it off. Levante David was mad at himself because he dropped an interception that would have been caught by his teammate had he not gotten in the way, and he took his helmet off he wasn't he wasn't showing anybody up. he wasn't saying, "Hey, ma, look at me, you know um." his parents are deceased, but I mean, you know, my point is he just took his helmet off out of frustration that cost him over $12,500 for what? Because he took his helmet. What's so bad about that? No one's going to come up and hit him between the whistles. You know, what's bad about it. They don't want his face on camera. They want him to look like everybody else. You're not, can't take your helmet off. We don't want celebrations. It's the no fun league, you know, because everybody when this guy gets suspended or this guy's out of the league or this guy next man up, next man up, we're rooting for their teams. We don't care. We're not about the. These are the owners now. They're the ones that make the rules. Why are they so restrictive? What, what, what's wrong with a little bit of passion, a little bit of celebration? What's wrong with it? What's wrong with it is it's not about them. They don't want to make it about the players. That, yeah, there's going to be stars. There's going to be the, you know, the Patrick Mahomes and the court, but they're quarterbacks for the most part. You know, that's it's the only league that that has that sort of uniformity, where, like I said, literally if a guy's sock is not pulled up to the right level, the right length, he gets fined because he doesn't look like everybody else. Crazy.
0: All right, UK Bucks ass. Rick, can we hear John Gruden's thoughts on the start of the season for both the Raiders and the Bucks?
1: Wow, we got a lot of Gruden requests tonight, huh? We did. I should have gotten in my Gruden face. Here's what I like what he said the other day is how, and I don't remember the exact words, but he was something like, uh, I've been beating the drum for Derek Carr for a long time, okay? First of all, John, no you haven't, okay? Your your favorite quarterback is anyone but the guy playing for you, you know? I mean, it was crazy, right? It was like I I like car. I like all kinds of car. I named my car Derek. You know why? Cuz I get home, I get I drive in my Derek car and I take my Derek car and I drive it to my house. And so I get done, I drive my Derek car back to the facility so I can coach Derrick Carr. So my car is named Derek. if you want to be honest. Like, come on, man. He, he And even Derek Carr knows that Derek Carr is not John Gruden's favorite quarterback. He said as much. He goes, they're looking to replay. They signed Marcus Mariota. They gave him like 8 or $9 million to be the backup. You know? We might need Marcus Mariota. This guy, I'm not buying it. As far as the Bucs, the Bucs are 2-0. Bucks I are oh. <laughs> think we might have a Bucks raiders Super Bowl, man. We're going to turn the tide a little bit here. And then all we'll hear is, like, they fired me. Raiders traded me. They didn't fire me. These guys fired me. Wouldn't that be something if all these years later the Bucks and the Raiders got together in a Super Bowl, only this time Gruden was on the other side?
0: All oh, the storylines.
1: Can you imagine? Oh. I'm telling you, life is weirder than 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 anything you could script, right? It just is. Mm-hmm. What if John Gruden is traded from the Raiders to the Bucks and beats the Raiders, and then twenty years later, twenty something years later, he's a coach of the Raiders who got fired by the Bucs and he beats the Bucks? <laughs> That'd be crazy. Or I got to play Tom Brady. What? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. I got to play Tom Brady. What about the tuck rule? I don't know that he'd want to see Tom Brady.
0: The way Tom Certainly Brady's playing right Bucks. now, I don't think anybody does.
1: Not in a Bucks uniform anyway. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so either. It's funny to me, like, and I'm I'm a big Lamar Jackson guy. Like, I, I think Lamar's great, and it, that was an unbelievable game. I don't know what Patrick Mahomes was thinking with that one interception. Just please. Um... But you know, they so him and Derek. You know, Derek Carr had a good game, and that was an exciting game. And so now it's like you turn on the shows, and it was like Derek Carr might be the MVP of this league. Listen, Lamar Jackson means more to his team than any player means in any any league. And now he's over the hump. He beat he beat Kansas City. He's on his way. Might be the MVP of the league. Meanwhile. You've got a 44-year-old guy who's thrown nine touchdowns in two weeks, right, and has won nine games of 30 points or more to set an NFL record, and nobody's talking about him being an MVP. I mean, my goodness.
0: Really? Didn't we learn a couple years ago about two weeks into a season you can't predict the MVP, Ryan Fitzpatrick? Oh, no.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Though he should have got it that year just for putting on Deshaun's jewelry.
0: Well, that's a different MVP. but That was
1: fun. But I – but seriously, it's like Brady fatigue. I mean, really? Like, are you forgetting what – you know, let's see what Lamar Jackson is when he's 44, you know? That's uh, all I get. Doesn't that factor into it? Shouldn't you say, hey, wait a minute, this guy that's leading the NFL in touchdown passes, he's 44.
0: They're, save, they're <laughs> saving all the Brady talk for next week when it's Patriots week.
1: Oh, uh, I guess. Yeah, they're trying to pace themselves.
0: They, you know, they got to come up with something else before – it's. you know, next week is all Brady. That's all you'll see.
1: I was listening to Good Morning Football and they even admitted they go like, "Wait a minute, you know who you don't talk about? Like the guy that's leading the league in touchdowns." They said, "Listen, let's just do this. Let's just put a goat in studio and put a, you know, put like a 12 jersey on it so that we're recognizing him every day." Cuz you could literally recognize him every day. You could do you could do a special on the guy every day. That's that's how unique he is.
0: All right, we'll, switch, we'll switch to the Rays now, and they did lose uh, 4-2 to on Tuesday night, so they will not, as you're listening to this, uh, have clinched a playoff berth yet, but they could do so today with an afternoon game against the Blue Jays. But Les had uh, tweeted us and says, Rick, what team scares you the most in the American League? Is it Houston or maybe whoever wins the wild card game?
1: Mm. I mean... They're familiar with whoever wins the wild card game, but I, I think Toronto right now to me is the scariest team that's going because I, I, I think they they've absolutely got an ace. They've got some pretty good pitching. They hit better than anybody. They're not going to be intimidated. None of those teams that come out of the East are going to be intimidated by, by the Rays. They see them too many times every year, right? So. I would tend to lean that way. To me, if you get in a series with Houston, if you get that far and, and they're not beating the drums or cheating, you got a shot, you know? I mean, they they they, they did pretty well two or three years ago, whenever it was, 2019, I guess. Um, had they not cheated, I think they might win that series. But I don't know. I I tend to think it's it's going to be that first. If they get – whoever wins the wild card, if they get through that series, I think they're going to be fine. I'm not – there's nobody there's nobody that I don't think they can beat, you know. I just think it's the familiarity with each other, you know. Things happen. I don't know. I would be I would be nervous about Toronto right now. I, I, I think, think you've got to be playing well. I think that's the first thing. Like don't if you play first of all, if somebody makes the playoffs are probably playing well, but if you're Toronto's been hot for a while, you know what I mean? Like they But can they, they keep that up for two more them. weeks?
0: Well, yeah. Why not they can't I'm not saying they I'm not saying they can't, but right, you know we know I mean the Rays a month ago were scorching hot, and
1: yeah, they played Baltimore though a bunch well, they you did. know what I mean like
0: but they were they were scoring a lot against Boston, they were scoring you know, yeah, i mean they they what they, they had what ten eleven games in a row of like eight runs, I mean it was ridiculous, yeah no, they
1: were on fire, they were on fire, their bats were hot, and then that you that comes and goes, offense comes and goes, but I just. All year long I've I mean, I look at the numbers like you'd look at the whole season, right? And and when those guys get up and they flash the batting averages and the RBIs and the home runs, it's hard to believe what the what the production that they Simeon, Bachet, uh Guriel, I mean, it's it's unbelievable some of the some of the numbers these guys have. You know? Guerrero. There's just one after the other. Like they all could be MVPs.
0: I think run differential is is big in baseball. And you know the, yeah. Astro, the Astros are by far the biggest in the American League. They're are they? they're about they've scored two more runs than the Rays and given up about 37 less runs.
1: A lot deeper pitching, I know that. Yeah.
0: Uh the Toronto's about the same as the Rays within a, f- mm-hmm. a couple of runs. Uh the Yankees run differential is what plus 30. Um they yeah. don't they don't score much. I mean, they have okay pitching. Um, the the yeah. Yankee, the Yankees lineup—amazing how much money's in that lineup. They're one of the lowest in baseball, right? Really look well at because
1: it. it's the thing the Rays do so well is that they battle you. They'll take their walks. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll two strike hits. Um, somebody said the other day I was listening on TV, and I think it was I think it was a Red Sox manager that said um, you watch the Rays and pay attention to how many hits they get with two strikes. It's like they're the best two strike hitting team I've ever seen and i think that might be true and um yeah it's it's a great question i just always believe that that first series if you can get out of that first series you know everybody gets better right you go you take a step up in class each time you win until you get mm-hmm. to the world series and then you're going to play the best team other best team in baseball and they did that last year and they ran into the dodgers i still think the dodgers are the deepest team i've seen I don't know if they're going to win. I mean, the Giants have had a better record, I guess, but to me, they get in a postseason. I still, I, I still would favor the Dodgers in the National League. It's going to be because. funny
0: when the Dodgers get beat in the wild card game and they have a twenty game lead on the, the team they get beat by. <laughs> it's going to be hilarious.
1: Well, yeah, maybe. Um, I mean, in the wild that, card,
0: they're up like what sixteen and a half games, something like that.
1: I, I know. Guess. That would be great if it happens. I just don't yeah. think it's... I, they're 15, like I'm they're sorry, that.
0: they're 15 and a half up on the Cardinals, so...
1: Right. Yeah. No, that'd be great. But I don't know. I, I think if you can just get out of that first series, then you can settle down and say, okay, we belong here, you know, playing good baseball. We can beat anybody. Um, we're one series away from, from playing for the championship, right? Um, so, yeah, I... I don't know. I I just feel like Toronto is one of those teams that they're just they have such a great offense that if you have a bad night, if your pitchers have a bad night, you know, and it, and I've seen them, you know, what was it a, a couple of days ago? They had what, a three hit shutout against them. I don't know how they did that, but they uh, did it.
0: The one, the one thing about Toronto is their bullpen is not that good. If you can get, you know, to what their else bullpen, isn't good?
1: Their defense isn't good either. Yeah, uh, they, they can struggle just okay. at times. Yeah, yeah.
0: Bobochette can kind of go up and down.
1: He can throw some balls away, yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah. So, well, we'll transition. It's Story had asked Who's your team MVP pick for the race playoff run this year? And are you concerned about the race pitching rotation in a five or seven game series?
1: Yes. And Wander Franco.
0: What'd you think of Shane Boz the other night?
1: Oh, he's ridiculous. I, I want to see. It, tell me that no one who made that deal with the Pirates is still in baseball. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, let me get this straight. You you traded, you traded Meadows, who's got a hundred and something RBI. Austin Meadows. You traded uh, Glass now, who before the Tommy John's was the ace of the staff, and didn't he pitch in the all? Did he pitch in the All Star game? Well, I he don't would. Know. Have,
0: he probably would have been an All Star. He was hurt yeah. before then, so.
1: But I mean, he you know he absolutely was like a dominant dominant right hander, and then and now Shane Boss comes out of the weeds, and the guy started in Double A, and he goes out there. His stuff is ridiculous. Like, 100-mile-an-hour fastball, changeup. He threw one uh, bad pitch. He, and he was like 70-something percent strikes.
0: The first home run was 96 and up in the zone. I mean, okay, yeah. tip your cap. Right. But, the, I mean, he hung one slider for the second home run.
1: Yeah, he spun one up there, yeah. But
0: one pitch in that appearance. His Major League debut was bad.
1: But his his stuff... Oof. And his poise, like he didn't, like that didn't jolt him, right? Some guys give a home run and the next thing you know, they can't find the plate. He was a strike thrower. He threw strikes with all his pitches. He had those guys guessing. Um, They didn't, they didn't know, they couldn't adjust. He was dominant. Like, and that's the thing, like to me, I always say this, like special shows up fast. Like you don't have to wait for it. It's just boom, there it is. You know, you see it right away. There it is. Guy came up there. Wander Franco, there it is.
0: Remember last year in the playoffs, Shane McClanahan made his major league debut, and now yeah. Shane Boz two weeks before this year's playoffs, and you're like, wow, yeah. I mean, you see, but I stuff. think
1: unlike McClanahan, like I think, yeah. oh. you could see a situation where Boz is starting game two. Yes. You know what I mean? Like you know what? We're going to put this kid out here. He's going to go three or four innings, but we're by God, he's better than Patino. We're going yeah, with you him.
0: You got McClanahan, Patino, and Boz. and right. maybe Rasmussen if you need a four starter.
1: Yeah, maybe Rasmussen. I mean, depending on how you goes, I mean Rasmussen maybe
0: may he hasn't pitched that well lately either, though. No, okay. well he didn't okay. pitch that he bad. bad okay. to, he didn't
1: pitch that bad last night, though. Yeah, I mean, he it was, was okay.
0: Got in Straight... some jams. He got he got out of the jams, but he got in some jams.
1: Yeah, but oh, on the whole, in, the, in yeah. the eight or nine starts they've given him, yep. he's done okay.
0: Oh no, yeah, no, no, he's been fine this year. But I'm just saying, for playoffs, I don't know if you want him starting.
1: I can see ba- – I mean, how is Boz – now, I know when Glass now – like when he was – I'm trying to remember because it seems like it was a long time ago. How much experience did-, did Glass has before he was in postseason? Had he pitched a lot?
0: Yeah, because, I mean, they didn't – I don't think this first year they made the playoffs. Okay. I'm trying to remember when his first season was, but let me look at well, it. Well, he
1: here. got hurt. He was pitcher of the month and then he got hurt. Yeah. I don't know. I I I wouldn't It's a big spot to put the kid in, but man, does he have stuff. And poise. Yeah,
0: well, you forget Tyler Glasnow pitched some in Pittsburgh before he got here. He didn't make his major league debut with the Rays. Right, 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 right. Yeah, and I know. So, I mean, he, he he made his first appearance in 2016. Well,
1: the Rays are the Rays calculus is this: young in talent trumps experience and not as talented. Mhm. That's their calculus. And you know what? I don't disagree. I don't if you got that kind of stuff, it'll win anywhere. As long as you don't lose your head out there, you know they'll they'll keep you calm. They'll the guys behind you will back you up with their defense. You know it's and every guy's different, but I didn't look. I don't know. Boston looked like he broke a sweat. You know? Did you see his old man? By the way, mm-hmm. dude is jacked up. <laughs> My God, looks like a pro wrestler. Be like, you want to throw today? Yeah, okay, Dad. Sure.
0: All right, Rooting for UF asked. Thoughts on Kevin Kiermaier taking the Blue Jays scouting card at the plate the other night? And if you didn't see this, so Kiermaier was thrown out at home and kind of a bang-bang play. And the catcher's scouting card, which basically has the, you know, your pitching scouting on or the hitting yeah. scouting on the Rays, fell out of his uh, pocket. Mm-hmm. Kiermaier picks it up. Says he thought it was his card that fell out of his pocket where he keeps it, which Mm -hmm. for him would have, you know, where you line up defensively based on hitters in in this. Right. Uh, But he never gave the card back. Mm -hmm. Thoughts? Says he didn't look at it, but he did hand it to Uh, somebody else.
1: Okay, my thoughts are, and you said this before the podcast, stop talking, okay? (laughs) This is not, look, you're not under a court of law. No one asked you to put your hand on a Bible. Shut up about it, all right? The other thing is, I don't know, is there an etiquette like, oh, I'm sorry, you dropped your scouting report on home plate. Here you go. I don't know. I mean, to me, he has plausible deniability. He did slide in. He does have a defensive card. Mm -hmm. Maybe he thought legitimately it was his. I think he recognized pretty early on it wasn't. Because if they they played the tape and they slowed it down, he kind of looking around like a guy that found somebody's wallet and was looking to see if there was cash inside. But I, you know, it's not cheating, you know. It's etiquette, right? Like I'd be curious how you how are you guys pitching me, you know? I'd take a look at it. I'd look under my name. Oh, sliders away. Okay. I mean. First of all, is anything on that sheet really going to surprise him? Probably not. But
0: if it does, then you're not doing you're not in the right, right. business.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't know if you don't know after this many years how guys are trying to attack you from the mound, then you you really are a worse hitter than I thought you were. So I don't know. Part of me is like, I mean, I can see why Montoya stuck up for his guys. Like I'm not blaming him for for asking or saying something to Cash, but like part of me is like, so what shut up yeah. you know like i just feel like all right so he slid in there give the guy the benefit of the doubt he saw a card he could have thought it was his i don't know when he decided it wasn't but you know what that's that's baseball. I mean it's like you know you right. left it on
0: the plate whether you know yeah like you i mean i know if you what you dropped it in the like, hallway outside the locker room you, is it change it is it different right i mean you didn't use you know electronics or whatever to steal signs and and we know that that's that's not kosher, but
1: right. I don't know. I I'll tell a story, and this is and I'm not trying to impugn anybody here, but I went to a party one time with with a bunch of people, and I had I had like I don't know. We were going to take an Uber. I had like ninety dollars in cash, okay, in my pocket. We're all standing around, and ended up not using the money because you know everything was paid for, and it didn't need the Uber, so I ended up not using the money. But I was reaching in my pocket for tips and things like that. Anyway, I dropped most of it, okay? And, okay, bad on me, all right? So, like, the next day, somebody that was there shows up and said, and and I'm talking about it. I'm like, oh, man, was, you know, I lost, like, 70 bucks whatever. He's like, oh, really? I found 70 bucks. Where? Where? Like, where were to get? Like, buy a? Yeah. I'm like, okay, well... Probably, and it's like, well, I actually got asked this question: like, can you identify the money? It's like, what? Like, I know the serial numbers. What are you talking about? So, I lost the money, right? He found it. Not nah, the probably the right thing to do would be hand it back to me, but you know, it fell out of my pocket. He found it, so I couldn't prove it was mine. Could have been somebody else's, I guess. I'm just saying, like, you lost it, right? So, quit crying about it. It is what it is. I don't think it's a big... I just don't think this is a big story. Is this a big story in baseball?
0: I think it's overblown, but... Yeah. Because I don't think there's a lot of, you know, I don't think there's a lot of info on those cards that aren't aren't pretty much well-known. Yeah. It's a reminder of, okay, you know, he likes sliders away, avoid that, or, you know, I don't know exactly what's on the cards. I haven't seen it, but I don't think it's... Necessarily proprietary information.
1: Well, it's got to be some kind of proprietary. I mean, uh, it's got to be some kind of information. Yeah, but mean, you're putting, info. Yeah. But you're putting it on a card, and you know a card can slip out of a guy's pocket. Yeah. It's not like you're sewing it to the right. inside of his jersey.
0: I don't think it's the advanced analytics that every team does and has their own methods no. of, of doing that. So I don't think that kind of stuff's in, in that. Where it's right. You
1: know- no, it just probably says here's the you know here's the hot zones on this yeah. hitter. You know here's the. And like you said, if he doesn't know how people are trying to pitch him by now, I'm not saying I wouldn't have looked at it, but mm-hmm. there can't be something in there that's going to surprise him. Right. I don't know. I just thought it was a non-story. And I, and Kevin should have just said, "Yeah, so what?
0: All that's right. my thought. Mark asked a question about Florida State, and he says, Does Coach Mike Norvell have to salvage the season to keep his job, or does he get another year regardless?
1: Well, he's 0-3, and they haven't been that since 100 years, I mean, since Bowden took over. So he's got to win something. Who's he going to beat at this point? I mean, Wake Forest, I, I, I was stunned. Like, normally when Florida State went to Wake Forest and they, and they were to somehow win up there, they would have stormed the field. And there was barely anybody there, which might say more about Wake Forest, but it also says that nobody cared to come see, see him play Florida State. That brand is getting just damaged beyond belief
0: they got Louisville this Saturday. Then they get Who's si- left that they could beat? they get be. Syracuse, North Carolina, UMass.
1: In UMass they could That's could That's homecoming. Beat. Then you get Clemson. They could
0: beat. NC State. Nope. nope. Miami. Nope. Boston College. Nope. And you're not beating Maybe. Florida. Nope. At Florida, at the Swamp.
1: Listen, if he wins two games, he's fired.
0: Now, they're still paying Taggart.
1: I know. And remember, and it,
0: remember, that was an issue because they the didn't thing. have the money to fire Taggart.
1: Right. That's the thing. The problem are these is these buy are these buyouts. Why does college baseball or college football do that? By the way, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, You sign a contract, you know, guarantee all or most of it or whatever, and just. I don't understand how it's like. Well, if you're gonna if you're not gonna honor my contract, you got to pay me twenty five million dollars. Well, okay. If you're not gonna win more than three games, you got to pay it back. <laughs> you know, what I mean, look, I'm just saying. Like, mm-hmm. what about performance? Does that count? Nope. Nope. It's just like nope. baseball we,
0: contracts, you sign a baseball contract. I know. I mean, football's I the only one that doesn't have all guaranteed money.
1: I know. And it's an injury sport, and the owners will tell you well, they could never have a sport if they guaranteed everything because people get hurt and they would run out of money. But I don't know. I just listen. Your brand is worth more than whatever that buyout is, and I and I don't. They have financial problems, and I don't know whether the boosters can scrape it up or not. But what do you do if he wins two games? I mean, really, that's a possibility at this point. They're zero three.
0: It is. I mean, I think, and we'll talk to Matt Baker tomorrow about this.
1: We should, but he's got a lot of thoughts about Florida State.
0: Yeah, and he's talked. And he's talked about you know some of it's going to depend on what recruits are coming in next year. Um, how do they look at the end of the year? I mean, there is going to be lots of things that go into, it, particularly because of the money part. I mean, they're still paying Taggart.
1: Here is here is so the they thing: they want to I'm pay
0: say. Norvell, and then a higher, and then who are you going to get as a new coach to come in when you this don't came, have, when you have money problems?
1: This came to play. This came to play. When USC, you know, is is trying to hire a coach, and this this was the discussion, and I think it applies with Florida State. Florida State hasn't been relevant for how how long?
0: Since Jameis.
1: Okay, so that's seven years. Okay, I mean, right?
0: maybe the season or two after, but you know.
1: All right, but I, mean, I mean, really years, relevant. Years. That's five years. No, because his he did five years in Tampa, one year in New Orleans. Yeah, this but is I mean, I,
0: I'm trying to remember. I mean, this the his. Second year, you think that, after he they, left they, they, they were still well. relevant? They did well. I mean, because he didn't win his last game, did he? Didn't he come back the next year and not win the? He
1: championship? came. That's right. He came back, but, but they I had mean, a good season. In, he, they had a good season, but without him, they had a good season.
0: Uh, the year he left, I, I'd have to go back and look at the records.
1: Regardless, let's just say, for the argument's sake, let's say it's six years. Okay, five, six years. All right. Since they were relevant, not champions, but relevant. All right. So, how old were the kids that are being recruited now? What do they? What do they possibly remember about Florida State? In other words, it doesn't. Florida State doesn't mean anything to these guys. Other than it's in the state of Florida, they don't remember Dion Sanders. They don't know who Bobby Bowden was.
0: Not but their parents do. But that. It,
1: I'm just telling you. Yeah. And and Sean Salisbury said this about USC: He's like they, mm-hmm. they don't they don't they don't know student body right they could care less. Mm-hmm. They could tell you more about the about the uniform combinations at Oregon than they can tell you about Bobby Bowden. They live in a TikTok world, okay? Yep. A TikTok, not a YouTube world, not a not a not a Twitter world, a TikTok world, where you can sit there for four hours and rifle through you know what's happening right now and right now only. Although there is some nice songs that are from other eras that my kids are getting to learn, which is nice, but my point is is like these kids that are coming out today, where can I play? where, where can I go when I'm going to go to the NFL? Where can I win a national championship right? That's still I mean and, and now who's going to pay me the most money? right?- mm-hmm. Where can I get the biggest deal off the field? That's all they care about.
0: Florida State, so, in 2016, Jimbo went 10-3. and three.
1: Okay, 10-3. and They three.
0: finished eighth in both polls. So here's my and take then on this. 17 is, you know, he came in and was fired near the end of the year, or left, um, and then Higgins took over as an interim at the end.
1: My take is that you're going to need either an incredibly well-known dynamic head coach that the kids will get behind and go play for him or you're going or you're going to fall off the map because it's just the brand has has taken too much of a hit and it's all about recruiting it's about getting players it's not about I don't think I don't think Norvell has forgotten football I don't think he was a terrible coach at Memphis hmm. you can't get the players man you can't get well, you, can't de- you, know, it's, you it's, get them you got to develop them but it started
0: with Taggart which was a reach Right. right i mean taggart had was you know, two head. good years at usf then he goes to oregon for a year
1: he was always head there
0: it was a dream job for him and in florida state instead of hiring the best candidate went and hired the guy who wanted the job the most right it, it's i'll equate it to one in, in my past i'm familiar with brady hoke at michigan mhm mhm brady loves michigan it was his dream job he wanted it more than anybody else but it wasn't the right hire michigan man you know, just because somebody wants it bad doesn't mean that's you know you got to go hire the best person. Rich
1: Rod wasn't the right guy either, though.
0: Well, no that that was before Hoke, and that was yeah, yeah, that was the AD that wanted to change Michigan football. Mm-hmm. That was a huge mistake. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's been five years since Florida State. You know, this assuming they don't finish in the top twenty five, will be the fifth straight year they don't finish in the polls.
1: Yeah, well, five years ago, these kids were in middle school. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much I don't know how much football they were watching. I don't know what Florida State meant to them, if anything.
0: It's just I I just don't. Although the transfer portals can change things too. So, yeah, I mean there'll be a quarterback. You'll have an opportunity to play at Florida State, presumably.
1: Presumably, but are you getting? If if I'm in the transport portal, portal, now granted, you know. Justin Fields was in a transfer he went to Ohio State from Georgia because Joe Burrow was. There's always some – yeah, there's always somebody, right? But I don't know that I'm going there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I I think Florida State's brand is just taking an enormous, enormous hit. And I think, you know, whether Mullen wins the SEC or goes to the SEC title game or maybe they crap out and, you know, they don't get there, I don't know. Because I-, I tend to think Georgia's going to beat them. But Florida's still a really good brand, man, you know? Mm-hmm. Florida's really good. They had two or three first-round picks, you know? Kyle Trask is playing for the Bucs.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, Florida made it to the SEC championship game last year, played Alabama there.
1: Right. Everybody saw that game. Everybody mm-hmm. knows Alabama. They watch the SEC. It's the greatest conference in football, you know, maybe the greatest in all of sports. So you're in the SEC. You're playing for championships. You're playing for chips. Florida is where it's at, man. I'm all about. it. great, big gator, and I'm not negative recruiting as Florida State because I believe me, I spent plenty of time up there. I'm not. I I just feel like that. <laughs> I I don't know that you're gonna you're gonna have to develop some guys that weren't your four and five star recruits because I don't know how many guys are gonna go there, you know. And then you go have a two win season or a three win season, not playing a bowl game, um, get your coach fired again. You're gonna need a dynamic coach that somehow people recognize that will go play for him and say, Yeah, I remember that guy at such and such a place he, you know, he's a good dude. I'd play for him. But I don't these kids have all kinds of ideas, man. You know? And now there's even an extra layer of stuff with, you know, what they can get off the field. But it's sad. I mean that program, it's gone down in a hurry. And I think it started, I think. You know, Jimbo left it not in good shape. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, bad on him for doing that. And then I, Taggart, I think, was over his head, and it got worse. And now this guy inherited a mess, and it was COVID. And, you know, he doesn't. Usually those I mean,
0: transitions are because the guy before. Screwed it up. You know, Urban Meyer, if you look at when he leaves programs.
1: Not better than he found them.
0: You know, Ohio State may be the only one that's not because they promoted Ryan Day within, but.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm concerned.
0: All right, Craig had tweeted us and says, Why does Jeremy Foley, the former athletic director at Florida, escape the blame for the football program now being average? After Urban, his hires really killed the brand, and he also let the facilities fall behind. Until they beat Bama, the program is not back.
1: I don't know. Jeremy Foley was there a long time, man. He hired a lot of coaches, Billy Donovan included. Um, I don't think you just look at football. Yeah, Muschamp didn't work out. Um, who was uh, – was it McIlwain? Who was the other guy?
0: Yeah, Jim McIlwain.
1: McIlwain. Um, he still got to the SEC title game, I think. Won 10 games a couple times. and That didn't work out. I don't know I don't know that Jeremy killed the brand. I mean, I like we just documented, I think the brand is fine. I mean, if they if they go to the SEC title game and beat Alabama, they're in the national playoffs. So what what evidence do you have that they've killed it? I don't think Uh, you have
0: to beat Bama to be back either. I mean, not many teams beat Bama, period. Right. Not not many beat Clemson or Ohio State. I mean
1: But here here's the thing though about let me just and I, I agree with you, like no one's beaten Saban lately, right? But here's the thing. If I'm hiring a coach for the University of Florida, my expectations are to win the SEC. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm playing, is to yeah. win, not to go to the SEC. I think, I think they could go to the SEC than they have gone with lesser coaches. You know, they have. Mm-hmm. They've gotten there. I'm about championships. Mm-hmm. I want to see Dan Mullen win a ship. If you can't win a championship, I want the next guy. Like that's, And so, yeah, that means beating Alabama. Sorry, they're in the SEC. You know who else is going to be there? Texas. Oklahoma.
0: I mean, like you know, Texas doesn't worry me. That's another brand. No, but that's I'm just really saying it's down. gonna
1: get it's gonna get strong. It's gonna get you know. Yeah.
0: That's a, that's a brand that's really gone down because they haven't no, been you're right. since, no, you're right. Since Vince Young, really. You're right. But the one difference not, the one difference they have money.
1: Well, they have a ton. They of haven't it. figured it's, out
0: how to spend it properly to fix it, but they have money. Yeah,
1: it's not unreasonable to expect Florida win to win SEC titles. I think no. I think Mullen can win ten games every year, and I think he can go to the SEC title game about I don't know twice in four years. Um, but can he? Can he? Is he the guy that can win it all? I think he's got one quarterback that might be able to do it, but it's not the guy that's playing. And again, he played really well against Alabama, but I, I still think Richardson is going to be the guy that's going to wind up taking him there. He needs a Dak Prescott. You know, he needs a guy. Love that ilk. And he may get it. He may have them. But uh, Florida's brand, I disagree with that questioner. Right? I, I don't think anything's wrong with Florida's brand. That place was lit the other night. I haven't seen Florida like I mean, it's great to get Alabama in there, right? But mm-hmm. that stadium was on fire. That was a great college football game. Great one. That's what college football should be. And if you're at the University of Florida, man, you're, you're proud of that. You just wish you'd have won the game. But. They had nothing to be embarrassed about, and they hopefully they'll see him again. You know, great questions as usual, though. Nice variety. We had some we had some uh, college football mixed in there. Speaking of college football, it's a great segue. We're going to talk to Matt Baker, a college football writer. He'll tell you all about the Alabama and the Florida game, and what the situation is with Mike Norvell at Florida State. USF headed out to BYU.
0: Late game, ten fifteen Saturday night.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we got to stay up. We got to stay up to get that result. Maybe not too late, but um, that's going to be a tough road trip for them. The Bucks are back at work, uh, getting ready for what I think. What I think will be their hardest game or the biggest, the toughest opponent they'll play this year. I think. I think it'll be the LA Rams. I, I
0: yeah, no definitely on gonna, the road. I mean, I think Buffalo at home is tough, but that's at home.
1: Yeah, but that's at home. But. um New Orleans is tough. I'm not saying that'll be easy. They're capable. We've talked about them in the NFC South.
0: It's also the first road game with fans in two years for this. First road game in two years.
1: And you know what? Like people say, well, what's the big deal? Well, it is a big deal because communication is not good. And so that affects the offense. It's the offense been carrying this team, right? Mm -hmm. They've been carrying this team. And then the, the team will be behind the Rams. It's a new stadium, which is really nice. I hear. Um, it's also your first road trip, and you still haven't really traveled. I mean, they went to Houston for a preseason game, but there's a routine to traveling, and if you're new on this team, you got to get, you know, a long flight. Like, all that stuff matters, man. These are the games played by human beings, so you know, hopefully they, um, they've they had a couple COVID cases. Um, Kevin Minter uh, was one of them, so you hope that, that that doesn't become a thing, but yeah, I'm with you. It's 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 you got to remember, it's in a hostile environment, and and yet, you know, the Rams were able to come in here, um, you know, and win. And and, and the Bucs have gone out there and won before. I think they played them at USC the last time. But uh, this, this to me, could wind up having playoff implications. And, and I still think that San Francisco is going to win a ton of games in that division. They could split with Arizona. They could split with the Rams and still win the division. Um, Seattle, same thing. It's a really tough division, but something tells me that Matthew Stafford is going to be Tom Brady-esque you in that he's going to turn that franchise to get them to where they want to go, which is right back home, by the way, where the Super Bowl is in their own home stadium, much like Tom did. They've got it all. Uh, not a great running back cast, but they won't try to run the ball anyway. Great coach. Um, this will be... To me, if the Bucs go out there and they handle these guys like really handle them, the defense plays well, they win the game, Brady looks good. You're going to all the talk on money about him going back to Boston is they may not. No, get ready for this because I've already heard it. The talk on money would be not only going to kill the Patriots, they're not going to lose a game. That's what people are going to be talking about. Who's going to beat these guys? You know, and let Jameis go out there and play another tough, another bad game, and New Orleans lose again, and and the Bucks go and win. It's going to be on, you know. People are going to be all over them, but, but yeah, it, it's going to. The next two weeks are going to tell us a lot about this football team. And look, if they're three and one, that's okay. They're not out of anything. But this would be a big one for them to get a real big one. I I think it's going to be a great test. So we look forward to that. Um, the lightning again, report today. We got the ten. Yeah, I mean this is this is hockey already. The shortest off season in the history of hockey, right?
0: Yep, yep. media days today. The first practice will be on Thursday. Incredible. So 60 players in camp to start. They just got done with the prospect yeah, tournament which was great and Lightning went 3 and 0 in the that's prospect tournament against uh Nashville, Carolina and Florida, so
1: they got prospects. Yeah. Hockey's here. Hockey's fun.
0: Yeah. Opening night is uh 3 weeks from uh yesterday, Tuesday. Who they got, the Penguins in town, oh wow, when they didn't raise play the them banner. Last year, right? no, they did not. They only played eighteen te- or seven teams last year yeah. you're in the regular season, so back to a full slate and every team and traveling mm-hmm. and all that, so
1: that'll be fun, man We got it all this is the This is the best time of year if you're a sports junkie. you've got college football getting up in full tilt the n f l now is running uh, weekly. You've got uh, Major League Baseball coming down to the pennant races here in the final weeks, uh, almost to October, and then hockey. So you got them all. Got them all going, man. So, yeah, get your popcorn ready and your TVs ready because there's no shortage of sports on every night. It's going to be fun. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow again uh, with our college football writer, Matt Baker, to get you ready for all the weekend games We're Steve Burstyn coming to Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody.